Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. We want to welcome those who are online. It's great to have you guys with us. No doubt there's a whole bunch of people watching online today because of the weather. We want to say thank you for joining us. And those in the room, you guys want to grab a seat? And we're going to go. Um, Right now, during our 9 o'clock service, we're doing foundations in the youth room. There's a few people in there going through the foundations of Christian faith, which is good. Um, If you want to be part of that, you can join next week if you like. Foundations is a great tool that God's given us to bless people, and that's happening right now. You would have seen a few dates on the screen, those online around our safe church training um, and a whole bunch of other stuff, the AGM, encourage you to be part of that. Um, We're going to dive into the Word now. Are you ready for the Word? I've got a revelation that I want to share with you, which I'm pretty excited about. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather. Father, we want to thank you that we can be together as, as, a, as a community. Father, for those online, I, Father, I pray that you'd speak to them, that you'd bless them today as well. Father, for all of us, that you would give us ears, hearts to hear from you, that you would speak today, that you would reveal your truth to us. God, we pray that in Jesus' name. And that what's, what's been said will go deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Help me, Lord, in what I'm about to prepare as well, in Jesus' name. Well, friends, as I, as I, as I just shared, I, I want to share with you a, a revelation that the Lord has given me. Now, when I say revelation, I've been a Christian for over 30 years. And, and during that, over that time, God reveals his truth to you. He teaches you. He teaches us through many ways, through reading the scriptures ourselves, someone preaching to us someone giving a prophetic word, God reveals to us, if we're open, his truth so that we understand how God wants us to live and um, he speaks to us, sets our direction for our life and changes us. About 10, uh, 12 years ago, I was um, reading through the book of Colossians and I hit that verse, Colossians 1, 15 and 16, where it says, all things were created by him and for him. And that radically changed my outlook on life. They went, for him. That's why we exist, for Jesus. This whole life is about living a life for, for Jesus. And that, that was a revelation that the Lord gave, the Lord gave me that, that helped me understand what, what life is all about. And just recently, I was listening to a podcast, again, a guy named N.T. Wright, which I'm going to speak to you about later in the message, shared something with me that just brought such clarity and revelation that I want to share with you today. Is that okay? If it's not, that's where we're going anyway. Hopefully it's, <clears throat> hopefully it's helpful for you. Can someone get me a glass of water? Aiden, get me a, is, that, is that my glass of water? Who put that there? Thank you. Thanks, Josh. That was very kind of you. Oh, good boy, Josh. Thanks, Matt. Good boy. You're not a boy. You're a man. Good man, Josh. We've been um, working through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And, and, and last week... As the last time I spoke, we looked at 1 Thessalonians 4, and in verse 1, this is what Paul writes. He writes, As for other, other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask that you do that. Um, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. And then Paul talks about three different areas. He says, In order to please God, do three things. Number one, avoid sexual immorality. Number two, Love one another. And the third thing he says in this text is work with your hands. And if you're in life group last week, you, you would have read this text, verse 1 through 12. 
I spoke about avoid sexual immorality last time I spoke. Then today I want us to look at the next two things. What does it mean to love one another and to work with your hands? So we're going to read four verses and then we're going to look at point three and then point two. This is what it says in verse nine. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God how to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anyone." that's our text for today. You go, that's a really exciting text. Yeah, it's not that exciting, is it? But it's the next bit, so we're going to look at it, and I'm going to bring you something that I think will radically change your life if you grab a hold of this revelation. So I want to look at the second part first, and it's about working with your hands. And Paul writes in verse 11, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You shall mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life might win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. Why is Paul talking about work here? Well, if you, if you look at the next part from verse 13 onwards, Paul then talks about the parousia, which is a Greek word for the coming or the second coming of Jesus. And, and the commentators think that the, the, uh, the uh, church in Thessalonica have stopped working because they're expecting the, re- the return of Jesus at any time soon. They're thinking to themselves, Jesus is about to come back. I've got money in the bank. Why should I keep working? I might as well give up work and enjoy the journey, share my faith, because Jesus is about to come back tomorrow. And that's why most probably Paul writes, work with your hands. But Paul's response to that is, um, is twofold. He says, working actually is about loving other people. And by working, you won't be a burden to others. So he says, keep working so you're not a burden to others. And the second thing about work is that it gains respect for outsiders. Because people will, as Christians, people look at the way we live and will make a decision about Christian faith and on Jesus based on our lives, our attitude, our behavior, the way we live our lives. So he says, work with your hands, lead a quiet life, set an example so that people will see what it looks like to be a Christian and that will give God glory. That's the first bit around working with your hands. And the second thing, well, it's a, the second thing is working with your hands. The first thing he says is, is around loving one another. And this is where I want us to spend our time today. What does it look like to love one another? In verse 9, Paul writes, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. That are, the our Greek word for love one another is the Greek word, Philadelphia. That sounds like a nice place to live. You've heard of a place called Philadelphia? It was no doubt named after love for one another. Sounds like a good place to live, hey. And when the word Philadelphia, which, which, which comes from the Greek word philio, it's talking about a love that you have for your brother and sister in your family. It's like sibling love. It's a love where you have a strong friendship It's the strong bond existing between people who share common values, interests, or activities. And this is the love that we're to see within God's family, God's church. A family where Hannah is like my actual sister, like I see her like my blood sister. It's it's not just, it's it's a close love where I care and she cares, and we serve and she serves. There are 
uh, there's a, a few Greek words in the uh, New Testament to describe one um, love, and one of them is that filio word, which is the, which is the brother-sister love, like we have in the family that Paul encourages here. Love your church like your family. And the other word is agape, which is very similar to filio, but it's actually more, more sacrificial in John 3.16. For God so agape the world, he loved unconditional, sacrificial love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul uses the word agape to describe the love of the church. It's in the context of spiritual gifts where Paul says, I want you to love each other. And this is what love looks like. You might have heard it at a wedding, but it's actually written in the context, the context of a church. Love should be patient. Love should be kind. Now, don't just read these as, um, this Bible passage. I want you to think about the Christians in your world. Think about your life group. Think about our church community. Think about the Christians in other churches. And this is how we should treat them. We are to be patient with them, it says. We are to be kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rather rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And friends, that is the sort of love we are to have towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. Just take a moment, have a look around the room, have a look at each other, turn around, look at each other. How is your love? And those online, if you're sitting with a bunch of believers, no doubt you're at home, so it's not going to really work. But think about your life group. Think about your Christian friends. Think about our church family, LifeGate family. And does your love for them look like this? Is it kind? Are you considerate? Do you boast? Do you put yourself ahead of others? Or do you celebrate others? That's the sort of love we're to have for each other. The second thing Paul talks around love is this. He says, now, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. How did God teach us? It seems this is different to what Paul says or what Jesus says when he walked the earth. It seems like God by his spirit, because his spirit is in every believer, is um, the spirit of God is revealing how to live how to live as Christians and how to love each other. In um, Jeremiah 31, there's a verse that talks about the new covenant. It says, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. So this is written hundreds of years before Jesus about what will happen when the new kingdom is established. And this is what this part of this new kingdom looks like. He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That in this new covenant, when God puts his spirit on believers, it seems like God himself is going to teach us. Now, should we listen to the teachings of Jesus? Yes. The teachings of, the, of Paul? Yes. But it seems like God, through his spirit, reveals his truth to us. Have you ever, had, have you ever done something that's wrong and the Holy Spirit went, eh, or there's a conviction? Ever had that? That's the Holy Spirit teaching you. Have you ever had a prompting of the Holy Spirit do this? Again, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. As you read the scriptures and something pops out, that's the Holy Spirit, that's God himself speaking to you. 
And the fruit of the Spirit, it says in Galatians 5, for the fruit of the Spirit is, this is what happens as the Spirit works in us, love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the outworkings of the Spirit in our lives. God teaches us himself to live in a way that pleases him, in a way that loves others. The third thing we see in this text about loving one another in verse 10, he goes on and says, and in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. See, this, this church in Thessalonica didn't just love the Christians in their church community. They loved the Christians in the other cities. Now, in Padstow, where I'm currently preaching, there's like over 10 churches, right? But at the time, it wasn't like that. Thessalonica had a church. There was one church. Philippi had a church. There was one church. In Corinth, there was a church. There was one church. There wasn't many churches like we have today. And what they were doing is that they were loving the other churches in those cities. Now, we're not told how they did that, but Paul saw that they did do that, and he celebrated them. And that's the picture for us. How are we loving the other Christians in the other denominations, in the other, in, in the other parts of God's church? You know, not loving them looks like thinking that we are better than them. When we look down on, on, on other Christians, when we think our church is better than their church, or we think our version of Christianity is better than another version's Christianity, when we cut people off who are, who are brothers and sisters in Christ because they have a different way of doing things, that's not loving. You know, just because someone does something different, that's just different. It's not wrong. It's just, and, and we need to love them. See, God's kingdom is very broad. And you have the, the uh, closed brethren all the way to the, the, the uh, crazy Pentecostals, and God loves them all and everything in between. It's his church, and people have different gifts and different passions and different emphasis. And it's, and it's all okay if it's scriptural, if it's God-honoring, of course. And we should celebrate other believers, other, denomina- other denominations, other groups. And we should love people. Why? Because they're, our brother, because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we, as we come to this, the, the end of this section around living to please God, verses, four, verses 1 through 12 of chapter 4, Paul writes this, avoid sexual immorality, love one another, and finally he says, work with your hands. Now, I uh, want to leave that section, and I want to go on and I, I want to ask this question. Why does God put such a strong emphasis on loving one another? Paul writes, love one another. The, the, the filio word, we see agape, it's throughout the scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. The good Samaritan, this is who your neighbor is. Why does, why does the scripture put so much emphasis on loving one another? And this is the, this is the revelation that I want to share with you. God is, I knew we needed to love one another. I knew and I've taught that we are the body and that we are called to use our gifts within the body, that we're called to love each other because we're the body of Christ. But when I revealed this, it took me to a whole new level of depth of understanding about the importance of God's church and being in community. It's like the emphasis on it was here. Now for me, the emphasis on it is here 
because of what the Lord has revealed to me. And as I share this, I pray you, you grab a hold of this and this impacts your life and, and, and that you apply it and you love your brothers and sisters in Christ more than you ever have. This is the revelation I had. There's a guy in our church named Peter who, who gave me this podcast. And in Life Group this week, we're going to listen to 10 minutes of this podcast. It is excellent. It's a podcast called Ask N.T. Wright Anything. N.T. Wright is a nerd. He's a professor of theology over in England, Oxford. He's written many commentaries, an expert in the New Testament, expert in the first century. Excellent podcast. If you want to listen to a podcast, listen to this one. And, and, and what happens is he is interviewed by, by the guy who does the Bible Project. If you've done the Bible Project, the voiceover guy, the, the, the voice of the Bible Project interviews N.T. Wright. And people writing questions, and N.T. Wright answers them in this English accent with all these nerd words as well. But it's fascinating, some of his answers, because he understands the first century much, much better than me, and much really better than all of us, which can help us really understand what's going on at the time. And, and one of the questions someone asked was around justification. And they said, give us the meaning of the word justification. Now, for us, I've always taught this. Justification means when we commit our life to Jesus, when we ask him to forgive us, God sees us just, just, if I've never, just like I've never sinned. Justification. God sees us just like I've never sinned. That's our standing in God. And that's what I expected him to say, but he actually didn't say that. He said, yes, justification means sin forgiven. But the first time the word justification is used is in Galatians chapter 2. And Galatians is one of the very first books that was written. And so he says that the first time we see the word justification used in the New Testament, it's in the book of Galatians. And it's in the context of Paul speaking to the Jews and the Gentiles, and he says, you are now both justified by Jesus, and now you are now one, one family. And so his point is this. Christ died so that we can be in community. Hear this. Christ died so that we can be in community. Now, did Christ die for our sins? Absolutely. Did he die so we can have a relationship with God? Absolutely. Did he die so that we can have eternal life? Absolutely. And, and, God died, God, Jesus, Jesus died, God the Son died, in order that we can be in community. Now, I'm going to talk more about this, but let me just go on aside and talk about what's happened to the church. And this has happened to me. I've been affected by the world, and we all have. I think back to, um, um, I have chats with Martin Baker, who's now in the UK, and I, Martin, I hope you're having a great time if you're watching this. And Martin talks about the wars with me because he was part of the Navy. And, and one of the things he said back in World War I, World War II, is that people were like, I want to fight, I want to go to war to fight for this nation because I believe in this nation. I wonder if that would be true today. If Australia went to war, would people sign up to fight today? And I doubt they would because we've lost that I belong to Australia, this is my country, I want to fight for it because Australia's turned into a bunch of individuals and what is best for me, what makes me happy, what pleases me. And as a result, it's crept into the church. And so when we preach about committing your life to Jesus, we always say, and this is me, I'm guilty of this, Commit your life to Jesus. Jesus died on the cross and rose again so your sin can be forgiven, 
so you can have relationship with, relationship with God, that God will no longer be angry with you, that you can have eternal life, that you can live with God forever. And is all that true? Yes, that's absolutely true. But I live out and so that you would be part of a community. Christ died so that you would be part of a community. Now, we have a heap of verses like John 3.16, for God so loved, and that's the word agape if you're interested, God so loved the world that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That's us and God. But then there's heaps of other scriptures through the New Testament which have now become alive to me as I've understood this. Let me take you to one. I want to read you 10 verses from Ephesians chapter 2. Now, it's a bit heavy, but, but I want you to see what, what, what Paul writes here. He writes this, Therefore remember... Now, now, Ephesians is a bunch of Gentiles again. Paul preaches the gospel to them and they get saved. Remember that formerly you were you are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. When you were a Gentile, you were lost, you were stuffed. That's what he says, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away from God's chosen have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. He doesn't say you now have eternal life there. Now, other parts of the Bible does say that. He says he very clearly that because of Christ's blood, you are now being brought in with the Jews. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in the flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death, put to death their hostility. He came and preached to you who are far away and to peace to those who are near. For through him, we now both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in him. The whole building, the body of Christ, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple, a people, his people in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built up together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, as you read that text with this idea that Christ died so that we, his people, would be belonging, that makes that passage make a heap more sense. Here's the big idea. Christ died so you would belong to a family. Now, did Christ die so you can have a relationship with God? Absolutely. Did Christ die so that you can have eternal life? Absolutely. Did Christ die to appease God's wrath? Absolutely. That's all true. And Christ died so that you will be part of his family. Now, that shifted the way I think. Because I've always recognized the importance of the body of Christ. And that, and, that, and that God has given us gifts that he wants us to use together and he wants us to love each other. But actually, actually this, is, this is the way I thought about it. I thought, Christ died for me 
so that I can have a relationship with God, sin forgiven, eternal life. One of the byproducts of that is the family. But that's not true. Christ died for me so that I can have a relationship with God, eternal life, and so that I can be part of a family. And that puts a greater emphasis on the body and our love for one another and our need to serve each other. Why is the body of Christ so important? Because it's in his body. When I talk about the body, I'm talking about the church, his family. It's where we get support. When life is tough, we are brothers and sisters where we're to care for each other, where to comfort each other when when we're struggling, where to encourage each other to keep going in the Lord and where to share our stories of what God is doing. And the things I've shared so far, support, comfort, encouragement, that's got nothing to do with the pastor. You don't have to go to Bible college to do any of that. God has given you um, stories. He's given you compassion. He's given you something that he wants you to offer others. And the reality is if we're not in community, we're not fulfilling part of what he has for us. You know, there's so many Christians who call themselves Christians, and most probably they are, but then they have, they're out of church. They say, can you be a church Sorry, can you be a Christian and not go to church? Well, technically, yes. But based on what I've just said, well, sort of no. Because you were saved into a community. So you can't be on your own. It doesn't work that way. That was never the design. So if you're watching online and you're not part of a small group or you're not part of a Christian community, I'm telling you today, you need to get part of it because it's what God has designed for you. Christ died so that you would be part of his family. The church trains you, equips you. You get to pray together. The scripture says when there's two or three, he's there in, he's there in your midst. Now you can pray on your own. God moves absolutely as you pray. But something happens when the community's together. No wonder because God died so that we'd be in community. So when we're community and we pray, God is there. Things shift, things change when we're praying in community. We pray in the mornings. Nikki runs a prayer team. Um, Tuesday night, 7.30, we pray every, every um, sorry, say Tuesday? Yeah, every Tuesday night. The details are on the website under prayer. It's a Zoom link. You can pray. Vision nights, get here. Get to Preston's when we pray out there. In community, we hear from God. Pari, who hosts our service so beautifully this morning, we were hanging out together a few weeks ago and he said something that radically just shifted my thinking again. Another revelation. And the, and, and, and the reason I say this is because um, we need the people around us. Pari says this. He said, sometimes God doesn't speak to you directly for what you need because he wants you to be dependent upon the body of Christ because God might give them the word for you. So he doesn't give you the word directly because he wants you to be in community. He wants you to hang around other Christians who can then speak that word to you and encourage you. Fascinating word. Is that what you said? Pretty much that anyway. (laughs) May not have been exactly. Pretty, pretty good. Super encouraging. If you want to hear from God, you can do it yourself, but he's going to speak to others for your benefit. And I'm believing today I'm sharing the word of the Lord. You want to use the spiritual gifts. Well, it's hard to use those spiritual gifts on your own. Spiritual gifts are used in community, yeah? The gifts that God's put in you, serving, loving, teaching, whatever it is, need to be in community. Final question for you today. Here it is. How close are you to your family? I'm talking about your church family. Christ died so that you would be in family. How close are you to your family?
Are you a Christian that just watches online and that's it? Are you a Christian who turns up to church and then takes off, takes off straight away? Or are you a Christian who is part of community and builds relationships with Christians? And not just shallow, let's talk about how rainy it is today, but how's your Christian journey going? Where are your struggles? Where's your hardship? We need to encourage, we need to support, we need to walk alongside. Because Christ died so that we would be family. My hope and my prayer today is, 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 is this what God has shown me, has, has greatly impacted your life. And that you would take this truth and that you'll be deliberate to love and to serve and to commit and to give to the family that God has put you a part of. We're going to take 30 seconds. We're going to reflect and we're going to pray. And as you watch online, I just want to give you 30 seconds just to reflect and pray. And I want you to ask yourself the question, God, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me? God, what do you want me to do with this? (laughs) So Father, we want to come to you now and we ask that you speak to us. What do you want to say to us today, God? Father, speak to us today. Speak to us today, Father, we pray. Father, teach us by your spirit how to love others. Father, give us this revelation of truth that we've been, that Jesus died so that we could be part of a family, a body of believers. Father, that we may love, that we may serve, that we may protect, that we may comfort, that we may encourage, that we may teach, that we may strengthen, that we would speak life over the believers that you've put around us. Father, use us today to love your family. You died that we'll be together. And that together we would be a people that love you and honor you and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you're watching online, we want to say thanks for being part of this. I encourage you to be part of God's family. God bless you. Thanks for being part of it. We'll see you again. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.